do you want to kick this one off? Sure. It's a little bit of a hard one. It sure is. Welcome to our sad little podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast, the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture. That's you and me. That's our that's our role. And um, you know, sometimes we talk about just the saddest, most rotten, disgusting uh, tale you've ever heard. This week we're talking about the new Netflix docuseries, Sins of Our Mother. Is that the name of it? I can't even yes. remember. I like my, I blocked, blocked it, out, it to out to protect myself from the sadness. Goodness gracious, was this a brutal watch. Yeah. So Sins of Our Mother just came out in September 2022. It's the story of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. And the murder of Lori Vallow's two children, JJ and Tyler. Mm -hmm. And it's horrific. Yeah. And there are more murders than just theirs. But yes. theirs are the, the saddest because they were her children. Children. I know a lot of our listeners are very aware of this and have probably watched it. Because it's made a real splash. Especially in the ex-Mormon community. Because mm -hmm. Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are Mormons. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that they've been excommunicated, but regardless, Mormonism was the foundation of their beliefs and they were Mormon until pretty far into their journey of extremism and murder. Yeah. So this is a Mormon documentary. <laughs> this is a Mormon story. <laughs> yes. So a little bit of background on the docuseries. The director of sins of our mother is the same woman who directed abducted in plain sight yeah which is another documentary about a mormon family and a true crime yeah and we will probably have to do an episode on that one day because it's another nutso story also in idaho yeah idaho mormons yeah mm -hmm. a special breed i think if you haven't seen abducted in plain sight definitely give that one a watch that is a yes. bizarro tale it came out i think in the early days of covid and i feel like everybody watched it yes the director was interviewed and asked you know this is your second documentary focusing on mormons in idaho and she's like yeah i'm fascinated that this like not super populous state that has this kind of friendly veneer is the site of some real horrors mm -hmm. and yeah true enough yeah though i think more and more lately people see idaho as like a fringe a lot of like fringe conservatives white supremacist neo-nazi like it's kind of a weird place mm -hmm. yes it's true so another thing i read from the director she was asked to talk about the timing of the documentary because the story is still happening right the mm -hmm. trial of Lori and chad has not happened yet mm -hmm. and the director said that initially the plan was to time the filming of the documentary with the trial so the trial would be sort of the thing that moves the story along but then the trial kept getting pushed back and so they eventually abandoned that and she said she decided her sort of real interest was on telling the story through Colby and getting Colby's perspective as a member of this family who wasn't involved in these extremist beliefs 
and was living out of state and kind of distant from his siblings at the time of their disappearance but is also still their brother and her son and what it would be like to see this all unfolding yeah in your own family as someone who seems very much like like a normal level-headed man without any serious like religious dogma other than you know the little bit that he shows at certain points i think he uses that as a way to communicate with his mom sure it's not necessarily because he feels that way you know it's it's hard to know he's speaking her language a little bit sure the documentary doesn't get a ton into like what colby really believes and values about his faith but unfortunately in september of 2022 colby was arrested for rape yeah of his estranged wife kelsey Mm -hmm. and charges have been dropped for now they were dropped without prejudice so they can be refiled Mm -hmm. it's just a lot it's a mess it's a mess so i feel like my head was spinning the whole time i was watching this Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of moving parts a lot of people a lot of weird beliefs a lot of (laughs) death and Mm -hmm. Um, lies and craziness but what was kind of missing for me was a real deep dive into the beliefs and where they come from and sort of the structures that hold them up and so that's what I kind of want to talk a little bit more about here yeah easily done I think as soon as you start the documentary uh, there are red flags everywhere Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just coming from someone who was also Mormon and kind of like speaking that language. But you hear Lori Vallow's parents use language that's like really like sort of big inflammatory, you know, mm-hmm. she's, you know, possessed by the devil or whatever, you know, like the kind of language they use. It's like, it's no wonder that she turned to extremist belief. She, it seemed was already surrounded by it because even yes. in our family like nobody spoke that way nobody talked about no people um being held captive by the devil i mean that's not that wasn't like what our belief was when people like fell away from the church or right you know that's not how we were raised that is like that's pretty extreme yeah i'm with you there were red flags for me the minute her parents started talking Mm-hmm. And her dad is only, this is Lori Vallow's parents, by the way. And Lori Vallow's dad is only in just a few minutes of the documentary towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about Lori Vallow as a child and saying she was so spiritual. And like, he would be teaching her spiritual things and she would start to weep, which gave me, made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because what was that exchange? Right. And then how she came home one day and was like, our dad is a spiritual giant. And he's telling these stories like they're cute and wholesome and sweet and evidence of her being a good person rather than evidence of some like distress. Right. And I th- yeah. I have recognized that throughout my life in Mormonism, the adults around you um, interpreting like really troubling, obsessive religious strange behavior as like cute obedient good spiritual righteous behavior yes one thing that we discovered in our research for this episode so leah sotil 
wrote a book about the Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell case. The book is called When the Moon Turns to Blood. And she was not a part of the documentary. So she's done some interviews and posted on Twitter about things that are missing Mm -hmm. from the documentary that she got into in her research for her book. And one thing she talks about is Lori Vallow's father, who apparently is like an extreme anti-government dude and like a tax evader Mm -hmm. and just has these really strong opinions about um religion over the state right Right. it's giving under the banner of heaven right yeah um it's giving like early days jan lafferty (laughs) anyway and that is absent from the documentary but it makes a big difference to know that to know that Lori vallow was raised in a household that was already an extremist version of mormon belief so is it any wonder that those beliefs continued on an extreme path right I was also troubled by her mom's kind of denial and trying to gloss over things. Like even after learning that, yes, her grandchildren were murdered and yes, her daughter was involved. She's like, we used to have such a beautiful little family. I know. And it was like, no, you didn't. She was off. So she failed to mention the existence of one of her children when she's naming off her children, which is bizarre. She names, Mm -hmm. she says she has four kids. She had five. She didn't lose this child as a child. They lived into their thirties. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit strange that she just did not mention them. That's number one. Number two, to say things like to look back, everything was normal. Um, so this is after your son has killed several people, people that you yes. know of. And your daughter also was a part of that. And they like colluded together to kill people. We don't know exactly what the deal was, mm-hmm. but they killed people. I'm sorry. You don't see anything. You can't look back right. and recall any red flags. Like you're delusional. This is also after, remember that one of Lori Bell's earlier husbands had sexually abused their children and, and abused her. Right. This was not like a picture perfect situation. No. So there is a certain amount of like delusion and masking reality going on that comes across immediately. Yes. What were some other sort of moments in the documentary standing out to you? Obviously, Lori's obsession with the temple and with temples Mm -hmm. and the experience in the temple was very interesting to me. I mean, obviously, I know that people love the temple. People keep pictures of like the temple where they were married in their home or their favorite temple. People have a favorite temple. But I just feel like knowing what goes on in the temple now that I do know that being like post-Mormon and having heard from people who've gone through that's fascinating to me it's it's really interesting how people will like romanticize and kind of like blow up temple experience into this like Mm -hmm. sort of fantasy and and it seems like you must have to because it's you're doing kind of the same thing every time you go it's not disneyland it's not even like going to church you're doing the same thing every time you go and that same thing you're doing is pretty weird yeah very weird and if not weird if you've been doing it for 40 years it's very boring and you might be like falling asleep Uh so for people to be quote-unquote like obsessed with the temple like Mm -hmm. that requires some like level of I don't know psychosis like are you okay (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah Um, so that immediately to me is like big red flag 
the obsession with the temple is so interesting so like you said she had all these pictures up in her house of the temple and colby calls that out as idolatry yeah when i was i think a teenager maybe i was in my early 20s there was a general conference talk where we were instructed to keep a picture of the temple in our home and i believe the instruction was to keep one in every room of your home whoa so it's like the temple needs to be in your face at all times Mm. and that wasn't an extremist thing to do that was a mainstream instruction Mm. to members of the church yeah so there is this sense that like you want to be constantly sort of fixated on the temple and all the things you need to do in order to be worthy to go there also as someone who did go through the temple and receive my endowment and remained a member of the church afterwards for years and so went to the temple a number of times but always was sort of like on a spectrum of like what is this I don't know what to make of this to like this is so fucking weird and I want to get out of here I was always somewhere in there right and so even at its best for me when I was just like I'm not sure what to make of this there was still this sense that like other people around me were having some kind of experience with it that was doing something for them like bringing them peace teaching them something like leveling up their relationship with God somehow and that I was missing it I wasn't getting it right well to the point that you could like you could literally feel people watching you trying to gauge what experience you're having like I remember going to the temple with like our mom right and she's kind of watching me to see like are you feeling this are you into this and Um, I'm like ah no yeah (laughs) sorry yeah well if they're anything like Lori Vallow they're having straight up visions and receiving (laughs) revelation and like forming relationships with the angel Moroni Mm -hmm. so that's what you were missing out on Right. But like, I guess what I'm thinking about with that is how does someone get to a point where they think they're being visited by spirits in the temple? Well, you sit in the temple and it's kind of weird. And you're like, I gotta feel something here. This has to be sacred. And your mind just creates. Mm. Just creates. So yeah, she talked about like having visitations from angels in the temple And then she started having them at home. Right. And it's like, oh, shoot. The delusion extended outside the walls of the temple. And it's happening more and more. Mm -hmm. And the more it happens, the more you believe that it happened. I really wonder what the order of operations was there. What the timeline was. Did she, like, let's say she really is a traumatized, like a religiously traumatized person. Mm -hmm. And it really like kicked off with a a, a true delusion, mm-hmm. as like a psychotic event or something, mm-hmm. you know. Like I wonder if that happened, which then led to blah 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 blah. Yeah. Or if maybe it started with a lie, because she was really concerned about having the appearance of being like a highly spiritual, very mm-hmm. good Mormon woman maybe she felt like saying such a thing as I've been having visions I've been receiving revelation maybe she thought that that was a good thing generally not a good idea in the church it's not gonna be quite the look you but think in you're going some for. circles and yeah. she found those circles yeah in some circles that gives you some real cachet to be able to say that 
Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, maybe she, found she this, said yeah. it enough that she believed it. Right. And I wonder the same thing with Chad. Um, Chad Daybell being the other player in this, he having had a near-death experience on his mission where he saw Jesus. Am I right? Not exactly. Not exactly. Close. Okay. So I listened to the podcast, the Feel the Fire episode which was Lori Vallow's podcast. Mm -hmm. I listened to the episode where she and Melanie Gibb interviewed Chad Daybell. Mm -hmm. So just let me say to the Feel the Fire podcast has been scrubbed from the internet yeah. Um, since all of this news broke. But there was another true crime podcast or J is for Justice okay. who somehow found the audio and reposted it to their YouTube. Hmm. So that's where I found it. And I listened to the audio and it's, it seems like the structure of the podcast was let's bring people on and they'll talk about their experiences with visions and angels and revelation and how it made them feel mm -hmm. fire. Yeah. And then we'll all feel it together and you'll feel it too. And we'll all just be uplifted by this feeling. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So Chad Daybell comes on and he talks about how he had a difficult experience on his mission, not a near-death experience, but he prayed and saw Jesus. Oh, okay. I feel like it was explained as, a, as an NDE in the... And he had had, he had had a near-death experience oh, prior, okay. and he had another one later. Oh, okay. And honestly, I read a couple of different accounts, and they were a little shifty, so mm -hmm. the timeline is a little confusing, but... yeah. In short, he saw Jesus and he had some near-death experiences where uh, like angels, but also his dead grandfather, like showed him visions of the last days, gave him some instruction. Although in the podcast, he says very little about any of that. He just says that the angel was like, your granddaughter is really cute. Cause he was like imagining when he would have grandchildren. I don't know. It okay. was honestly not a lot of substance, mm -hmm. but yeah. So he as a missionary and we've already talked about the trauma missionaries are yeah yeah is so overcome that he believes he's seen jesus yeah and then in the documentary it talks about how he goes on to set records for baptisms in his mission yikes Red and Red. i wrote in my notes oh you never trust those people yeah I, yeah. I never trusted the people who were like we're baptizing an extreme number of people mm. all the time I was like what's going on over there yeah what are you saying what are you what telling are you them saying? what kind of manipulation tactics are you using who are these people how vulnerable are they right are <laughs> you using some of your, your own weird dogma and your mm -hmm. own like end of days beliefs to like scare them right are you making stuff up right but I will say that that would seem to confirm that you've had a real experience, right? If you're Chad Daybell and you're like, I think I saw Jesus and I'm telling people about it or I'm telling people whatever and they're really flocking to it more yeah. than anybody else. I must be special. Yeah, that is interesting. I just wonder with both of them, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it straight up religious delusion based on trauma or did it start off with a lie is I it more like wonder. narcissism and this right. is an outlet right because like right. let's think about joseph smith mm -hmm. do we think that he 
had religious delusions or do we think he was a liar? Mm-hmm. And I know that there are folks, even in the ex-Mormon community, who think Joseph Smith really genuinely, like, believed in God, wanted to bring people closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. And he was like, these are some white lies that are going to help that cause. Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, a lie. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. So what's the motivation? That's impossible to know. Yeah. I will say one more thing, though, about Lori Vallow and the temple. Mm-hmm. So in the document series there's some audio that I assume is taken from her podcast I don't know where it's from they don't say Mm -hmm. but it's her talking about um how after her divorce from Tylee's dad who Mm -hmm. was the one who was sexually abusing the kids and abusing her Mm -hmm. she was in a really dark place understandably so and she talks about how she wanted to murder him yeah and That's instead of murdering him, she turned to the temple. Yeah. And I noted that. And I yes. wrote in my notes, maybe turn to a therapist too. Right. Maybe turn to some other sources too. But if you're seeing the temple as this space that's going to heal you from something as dark as that, yeah, you might pile some other expectations onto the temple mm-hmm. and really kind of um, cling to them. Right. It's interesting though, because I noted the same thing, but I wondered if it isn't just about healing her and her family, if it's not about like preserving her reputation, like, oh, this is another thing that's happened to me mm-hmm. that has like tarnished the expectations of me, has tarnished what everybody sees, but also like mm-hmm. how I think about myself. Cause she clearly is a woman who thinks that she she feels a lot of pressure to be some spiritual yes. leader in her community, be a, a light and to be a perfect Mormon and to have that perfect appearance. And yes. repeatedly, life just keeps serving her a big plate of something else. And we see that in the clip in the docuseries from her Mrs. Texas pageant mm-hmm. days, where she literally says, I'm a ticking time bomb. Yeah. because there's so much pressure to be perfect yeah i mean she identifies the problem right there right i wanted to say one other thing going back to that episode of the field fire podcast with chad Mm -hmm. Dago. it was just so freaky katie like people should listen to it it's really weird and again Mm -hmm. not a lot of substance like they do a lot of talking about what jesus looks like and Lori's like does he have piercing blue eyes and chad's like yes though i'm not saying he had them in his mortal state but as this resurrected perfected being yes his eyes were piercing blue i mean just weird stuff and like what is this what's the point what's the point are you trying to sleep with jesus it's weirdly sensual and they're talking in very like breathy bedroomy kind of voices <laughs> to each other and they're like do you feel it do you feel the fire and I was like <laughs> and it triggered a memory for me that oh. I have not remembered in quite some time so <laughs> this is a little bit of an aside but a uh, relevant Mormon experience So when I was a BYU student, and also when I was in the MTC, the Missionary Training Center, before leaving on my mission, one of the things we were tasked with doing as either like a civilian volunteer or a mission prep volunteer 
was working in the church call center at the Mm. MTC. If you like see a commercial for a Book of Mormon or a Mormon video or something, often in the middle of the night on like cable access, right? Or if you get a pass along card or something and you call in, this is who you're calling. Mm. And it is a lot of like young teenage, early 20 something Mormon kids fielding those calls. And there's all these scripts you're following, you know, if they say this, you ask this. And your your goal is not only to get them the thing that they want, but to have missionaries deliver it so that mm. they can be taught and to give them this really positive experience with the church so that they want to know more. Mm. And so I spent hours, hours of my life in that call center And I had fully blocked it out because it was horrible and a lot of really bizarre things happened. Mm. And one bizarre thing that happened a number of times is that creepy men would call until a woman picked up. Mm. Like they would call, hang up, call, hang up until a woman picked up. And you could sort of track it. Like the people running the call center could sometimes intercept this. They could recognize patterns. But anyway, regardless, I was reached a number of times by men who were masturbating Mm. and being like I'm feeling the spirit right now do you feel it and I was really naive Mm. and was like I'm supposed to be helping this person and giving a good impression and so sometimes it would take you a beat too long that support choice of words yikes (laughs) a moment too long to realize what was happening and to hang up and that happened to me katie many times what Mm -hmm. oh elisa you've never shared this with me no because i didn't want to remember this Mm. but listening to them talking about like do you feel the fire We all need to be feeling it. I was like, oh no, oh no. What's, what memory is landing in my brain right now? Um, If only you had known of their podcast, you could have been like, sir, sir, (laughs) can I direct you to this weird freaky podcast? I think you'll like that. There's a group of people who are right, you know, in line with what you want to be doing, I think. And I'm just going to send you to them. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. I know, I really just traumatized it's like it's funny but it's also not funny no. it was really fucked up and gross yeah anyway <laughs> just how do we move on from that thing. i'm so sorry everybody. that's okay we're the audience for it we love it we live <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more than about like this ecosystem that upheld l'oreal and chad Dabo. or they met at a conference, a preparing the people conference. Mm-hmm. And we, we got to say, Mormons love a conference. Yes. If you don't know this, Mormons love a conference. They love a there's, speaker. Oh, yeah. There's general conference, which is for the whole church. But there's also like local conferences all the time. There's board conference, state conference, youth conference, firesides. There's um. Again, on a church scale, there's women's conference and education Mm. week. And then there's also these like third party Mormon adjacent groups that are hosting conferences that aren't 
exactly church sponsored, but also only church members go to them and they are essentially church sponsored. And I'm thinking like time out for women. Mm. Yeah. So of course, Mormons are going to conferences about preparing for the last days. Honestly, other than the like creepy, murderous, extreme, like evil preppers, it sounds kind of fun. I'd be curious. I'm very curious. So Preparing a People is an organization that hosts these conferences, but also hosts a bunch of podcasts including Lori's podcast feel the fire and they've pulled all their podcasts since this Mm -hmm. happened because they're so intimately tied to Lori and Chad Chad was a featured speaker at tons of these conferences Mm -hmm. and that's how Lori and Chad met was at a preparing the people conference Mm. and he was the speaker and they showed like a little clip of him speaking yeah it was so boring kind of a dud i don't really understand the appeal i was like how is this like so magnetic to these people that they're willing to like murder for it i don't know i was not impressed no no another thing that supports this whole subculture is something called a vow another voice of warning And it's this discussion board still up and running. And it's a place for LDS folks to come and discuss their kind of like pet gospel topics Mm -hmm. and theories about the last days and whatever. And you pay a monthly subscription, not super cheap either, to be a part of this discussion. And Chad Daybell was a prolific poster (laughs) on a vow with a big following. Mm. And actually, the person who runs a vow stuck up for him until a little too late for it to look good. Yikes. Yeah. Mm. Makes you wonder, are you just like truly in the know and just like a bad person? Or are you just that dumb? that you just don't see what's going on i mean when you've upheld someone as this visionary leader you really hope you're not as wrong as these people turned out to be yeah so maybe you're not willing to look at it closely yeah it makes you wonder there was another woman especially early on in the documentary who was interviewed who is uh, runs in the same circles i wish i could remember her name julie Rowe. That's Julie Rowe. Okay. And she talks about how she's a seer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she has revelations and visions and whatnot. And it's just like, I don't know. They really roped you into like coming on here. Like, are you, are you okay? Is anybody up there? You know, like, are you? Because you're you're not going to come out of this smelling like a rose no and she's like um, chad was on the dark side i'm on the light side it's like yeah. do you think you're in a video game yeah you know she's also been excommunicated but she and chad both write these books and i believe chad's all purport to be fictional mm-hmm. and they're like fictional books about the last days but he's like on the side like oh no actually these are visions and revelations and as far as I know, his books were sold in church bookstores. Yes, they were in Deseret Book. Obviously not anymore. No. 
but he was given a platform yeah that's major there's this other book that I saw coming up a lot in these discussions it's called visions of glory Mm -hmm. and it's a book that's been out for a while and it is like a near-death experience vision situation with like revelations for the last days as dictated to this LDS man who wrote the book and doesn't claim to be the person who had the visions that person Mm. is anonymous Mm. and there have apparently been like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of LDS folks who've read and raved about this book to the point that Fair Mormon, which is a Mormon apologist site, has spent a lot of time kind of warning about it. Wow. Like, let's be careful here, folks. Let's not go too far down these rabbit holes. That's interesting. I wonder if we should read it. I wonder if there's a way we can read it without supporting the author. Yeah. Anybody, if you Um, got the PDF. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to get my hands on it and just give it a look. The author's wife, I read an interview with her, and he's since passed away, but has been criticized for contributing to a community that has clearly gone to some extremely negative lengths. And she was just like, my husband was an active member of the church every day of his life. He Mm -hmm. died in good standing, like, don't drag him through the mud. So there are folks within this community who are still like LDS and kicking around in the church Mm. but are tangentially tied to these kinds of ideas yeah just goes to show kind of what we've been talking about like in the let's say in the educated episode these people who have like potentially dangerous and definitely like fringe mormon beliefs Mm -hmm. are still perfectly allowed to coexist within that mormon ecosystem and be in good standing as long as they like kind of like keep it up you know you're yeah keep up keep up the image a little bit don't go fully crazy keep wearing a tie to church Mm -hmm. you know right you got to keep walking the walk enough and on the side you know whatever publish your wacko books that that stir people up into a frenzy right one other thing leah sotil said about all this and she wrote when the moon turns to blood but she's also written a lot about the bundies yes and their anti-government stand their like last day prepper survivalist stuff and she's like trying to through her research and journalism understand the through line in these Mm -hmm. movements and how they connect to mormonism anyway so i'm interested in reading more her stuff she has a whole podcast series on the bundies that i think we should listen to for sure so one thing she calls out that is so simple and elegant and true is like well of course mormons are obsessed with the last days the name of their church is the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints yeah and i was just like yes yeah yes that of course chad daybell and laurie mallow are mormons because mormons are obsessed with this and have been from the beginning and like to be fair christianity has always been obsessed with the second coming of christ the apocalypse these last days predictions i mean even in the new testament christians were like it's any day now it's any minute now it's coming Mm -hmm. it's coming yeah. It's always been this way. 
but yeah mormons put it in their name our existence is proof that the end times are beginning yes exactly so one thing i wanted to look up before we get into some more about Lori and chad's beliefs what do mormons believe about the last days Mm -hmm. and you know we could look at the doctrine and covenants we could look wherever but just to keep it short and snappy i looked in mormon doctrine Mm. just to make (laughs) sure it didn't get whitewashed i looked in mormon doctrine to see the real tea about what the church teaches or has taught at least about the last days so a few things plagues pestilence perils commotion famine disease disaster without parallel and that's i think common to christianity right (laughs) floods storms fires earthquakes evil iniquity crime murder uh etc etc the you know the sun will be darkened the moon turned to blood stars fall from heaven but then the mormons kick it up a notch um we say that christ will come to the temple erected in jackson county missouri prior to his like yes. full-blown second coming to the whole world he's going to come to the temple in missouri right and there's going like, to be a rave yes <laughs> and i was like wait do we even have a temple in jackson county missouri and we do the kansas city missouri yeah. temple is in jackson county so the church has that base covered okay what's the capacity i know right <laughs> and then also we talked a little bit in our south park episode about adam on diamond in missouri yep he's coming adam mm-hmm. on diamond and he's gonna meet with like the righteous members of the church there and he's gonna receive back the keys of the priesthood that he's been lending out to people yeah. i guess mm. people are just gonna cough it up okay i guess and then the new Jerusalem will exist. And I think the church used to teach that it would be in Missouri, but Chad and Lori think it's in Rexburg, Idaho. Natch. Yeah. Of yeah, that makes places. a lot of sense. Yeah. And then one other thing that's interesting, Joseph Smith apparently had a revelation about the second coming that Wilford Woodruff then interpreted into a prediction about what generation will see the second coming. Okay. And hold on to your hats. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but the way that Bruce R. McConkie interprets it in Mormon doctrine is that the generation that will see the second coming is folks born in like the 1920s. So like our grandparents. Mm. And he says, you know, it's very conceivable that, that this generation will live beyond the year 2000 and that beyond the year 2000, we will see the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. This is Mormon doctrine. These are like revelations and interpretations from the prophets. Mm. And I got to say, time's ticking there. Like our grandparents have passed away. A lot of people in their generation have passed away. It's happening any day now. I mean, people who were born in the 20s, they, you know, they usually aren't, they aren't living. Yeah. I mean, it's a rare few folks left. Yeah. It's a wrap on those guys. Like, I know one person in my life over the age of 100. She's about all they got left. Yeah. Can't say I do. So I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah, of course, if they know this doctrine, which they they have Mormon doctrine, they have access to these ideas, they're thinking it is on the brink. Yeah. And in fact, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow believed that the, the second coming would happen on July 22nd, 2020. Mm. 
which was not long before they murdered her kids. So there's maybe this sense that like, well, in the end of the world is coming anyway. Yeah. There aren't going to be consequences for the negative consequences for this only positive because Insane. this is all over. That's so crazy. I am getting a little bit of a memory of being a kid in Sunday school and being taught that the last days would be in my lifetime, but not the lifetime of the teacher. Like, I can't remember who mm-hmm. said it. It was somebody our parents' age who was yeah. like, you guys will see it, but we won't. And I was like, where are you getting that from? I heard things like that. And I knew of people who said in my patriarchal blessing, it tells me I'll be alive at the second coming. Mm. That was a thing people talked about interesting so for the mormons it is coming right up that was always a big issue for me i was like i don't want to be around for that yeah it sounds kind of scary sounds it sounds like the scariest thing ever i don't want to have anything to do with that yes so then starting with that as your baseline belief about the last days and coming with your own extreme ideas your own sense of yourself as someone who can receive revelation and visions and your own trauma and your own like overinflated sense of yourself. Oh my gosh, what a recipe for creating some batshit ideas. Yeah. Which they did. Yeah, they uh, they took it and ran with it. I really, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit inspired by it, honestly. I wish that people would take a little bit of a more fun approach. Mm-hmm. you know it's like the mormons already they're like we're gonna go to missouri and it's like that's not great like it would be better if it was like california or you know whatever like basically anywhere else but like i said it sounds a, like a little bit of a rave it sounds a little bit like <laughs> it's like kind of a scary kind of a that's like a spooky halloween like a goth rave and then we show up and everybody gets to like everybody's like kissing jesus and mm. you know it's kind of a it's a whole thing i don't know yeah could we have fun with it instead of being like creepo murderers please and like watching everybody else like burn yikes not interested so i found a great article that summarized some of Lori Vallow's beliefs that didn't get brought up in the docuseries they pulled from the divorce documents that charles filed charles is Lori Vallow's ex-husband who was murdered yes and before he was murdered, he filed for a divorce. And the reason he filed for a divorce, he claimed that she had lost her mind. Yes. And here's some of the evidence he provided. She believes she sealed to Moroni, mm-hmm. the Book of Mormon prophet, who is not alive. Mm-hmm. She has lived numerous lives on numerous planets. She believes she was Mary French, Joseph Smith's grandmother in a previous life. That's the first time I've been able to read that line without laughing. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> that is such a strange, <laughs> like, why? Right. Why? So specific, so weird. Yeah. She believes she is a translated being who cannot mm-hmm. taste death. So Mormons believe in resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Everyone will right. be resurrected. But they also believe in translation, which is like, there are these like periods of time at which mass resurrections will happen. Like at the second coming of Christ, at the end of the millennium, right? Um, There will be these resurrections. But at other times, there are these translations. And what you're taught is that in the twinkling of an eye, 
-hmm. a mortal being is transformed into an immortal being. So let's say you're alive on the earth. That's the second coming of Christ. You're a mortal person alive on the earth. And the resurrection happens where all these dead people are resurrected. So, but you're not dead. So instead you're translated in the, mm. blink, in the twinkling of an eye. Mm. Right? So she believes that has happened to her. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I can understand also, why you'd say a that. a testable theory. <laughs> sure. Uh, something that can be disproven pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll sure. see she believes that she's sent by god to lead the 144,000 into the millennium which is like a book of revelations thing right she's uh, meant to gather the new jerusalem to Fredericksburg, idaho and mm. he said in the divorce filings that she told him if he got in her way of doing any of this she would murder him and she did mm. yes so that's one little tidbit i found about her beliefs another thing i found is some reporting about the seven missions that chad and Lori agreed to complete together okay it was like a thing they had written out like these are the seven things that we as a couple are gonna do number one translate ancient records probably the sealed portion of the book of mormon mm. interesting Okay. write a book write a book about that translation for some reason yeah we looked in a hat yeah right chad just loves writing books so i guess yeah write a book yeah um they're gonna identify locations for white camps which are like tent cities okay not a great name i agree <laughs> i agree they're like 10 cities that this group thinks will spring up at the last days where people will like gather to strength in numbers right as the world so it's like burning man further proving my this is just a rave situation mm -hmm, the end mm -hmm. of days yes it's, it's burning man it's a rave okay it, I, it's coming together okay yes they will be a part of the presidency of the church of the firstborn which is a phrase a concept in mormon doctrine i'd heard of it before and it's essentially like what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will become in its okay. like eternal state. So like after Christ comes again and after judgment happens, I guess, and we know who the celestial beings are, who the terrestrial, who the celestial, mm. the celestial folks are the Church of the Firstborn. Okay. That's kind and, of a badass name, honestly. Yeah. Like there that's kind actually, of metal. Yes. There are a number of like offshoot Mormon sects that call themselves that, apparently. I learned. Of course there are. But God Chad Daybell, him. Chad Daybell thinks he's gonna run it. Yeah, naturally. He's so charismatic. I mean, whatever. People love him. I don't understand. Weird. It's a so couple weird. a few more of their missions, kind of utilitarian. They're gonna establish food distribution at the last days as everything is in chaos. They're going to provide supplies to righteous families, but not unrighteous families. Apparently. No, 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 no. And then they're going to ordain individuals to translation. So they're going to officiate in a ritual that will make select people immortal. Okay. So apparently it doesn't happen in the twinkling of an eye. It happens through a ritual led by Chad Daybell. Sure. And they're going to say it in their sauciest voices. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of weird stuff. And that doesn't even get into like the dark spirit, light spirit, zombie stuff. 
that was coming up in the documentary. Right. For whatever reason, people trust Chad to be the ultimate judge of of people's lightness and darkness. And apparently right. these poor, innocent children were so dark that uh, they felt they needed to die in order to mm-hmm. be saved. Well, they felt they already were dead. Yeah. They're and zombies. their spirits were like possessed by zombies. And I don't know of any zombie adjacent mormon teachings but i do know of this sense that like uh, of demonic possession Mm -hmm. being a real thing and and uh you know there are like urban legends in mormonism about demons being cast out of people Mm -hmm. so sure they just it's just a more extreme version of a thing that the church already teaches yeah a very extreme version a much more extreme version yes i do feel like we should say we haven't we and it's not really the point of the podcast but we should point out like the actual crimes (laughs) that were committed by these people it's hard to say who did what there's not like a ton of evidence there's enough evidence to prove that these people colluded in the murders of several people but we do know that um, Alex, Lori Vallow's brother, killed her husband, Charles. And then it was Chad's wife that died next, right? Mm-hmm. Chad's wife was killed. Honestly, it's my personal belief that Alex probably killed all of them. I think that Alex was kind of, uh, he seemed like an already kind of a violent person. And like yeah. he even says in like recordings that he... Or, or his his wife uh, has said that he had complained to her that he was being used as a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's not out of the question to say that he killed um, Chad Daybell's wife or Chad did it. We don't really yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know because her autopsy has not been released. Yeah. And so there isn't clear speculation about what happened to her. But we do know that the story she tells about being threatened by a man with like a paintball gun mm-hmm. a couple of days before she died mm-hmm. that was alex yeah it lines up yeah and then the children were presumably the children um tylee and jj Lori's kids mm-hmm. were presumably killed by alex mm-hmm. i can't remember who but somebody saw jj on the night that he was killed and they actually believed that they saw his dead body being held by alex but they at the time thought that he was just sleeping so yeah really terrible just just throwing that in there we're talking about like a lot of the like bigger ideas and how it sort of connects to mormonism Mm -hmm. but at the heart of it were these horrible crimes crimes. and i found that there are a couple episodes of mormon stories where they dig into these crimes and this belief system that chad daybell and laurie bell had set up and they talk with some experts about it And one of the experts that they interview, one thing she called out that I thought was really sort of powerful, she talked about how, you know, Tylee was a baptized member of the LDS church. You know, she hadn't been excommunicated Mm -hmm. at the time of her death. She was a teenage girl who was LDS. And the person in Mormon Stories talked about how, you know, when Elizabeth Smart was missing, the church was so involved in the messaging around, like, we have to find this poor girl, this poor victim. But they did not do that with Tylee. There was Mm. not, there weren't like press conferences on Temple Square where Mm. people were like, 
let's find Tylee, right? Mm -hmm. So there was this difference in response. And she, her sort of claim is that this is evidence of the church caring more about its image and about distancing itself from someone like Chad Davo, mm -hmm. who they once supported and mm -hmm. have since, or, you know, rescinded that support. And this poor girl, Tylee, is just getting caught up in that, even though she is just a young LDS girl. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have anything to add to that. It just really struck me when I was listening to that Mormon Stories podcast. Yeah. How how this is such a Mormon story, but the church doesn't want it to be. And, and wants you to think like, oh, well, we excommunicated them, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Right. It makes me think too of, I'll say one last thing about that. Um, there's a great TikToker on Exmo TikTok uh, at Blacksmo. Mm -hmm. And he just recently posted a TikTok where he talks about this same kind of idea. And he talks about the church wanting to distance itself from the people they created. Mm. Yeah. And I exactly was like, right. yes, that right. is it. The church creates Chad Daybells and then is like, no, 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 no. We wash our hands of this. Right. You can disavow them, but it doesn't change the fact that you created them. Mm -hmm. mm. And Dark on stuff. That note. On that note. <laughs> I know. What a departure from our South Park episode. Woo. Yeah, this was a bummer. Honestly, I didn't love the docuseries. Mm -mm. I felt like it seemed rushed. It seemed mm -hmm. like it had some holes, which we found out there were quite a few. Yes. It felt like odd timing, given the fact that the trial hasn't happened yet. And mm -hmm. because there is so much content out there already about Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. It's quite saturated. And I don't know, maybe somebody was just on a deadline. But yeah, I was missing all of those interesting and really pertinent facts about like the religion the connections you know yeah it didn't it was... like really dig in in ways that i kind of expected it to and then if like the director said one of the goals was to really elevate colby's perspective i don't know colby is god is his own sort of figure that i'm not sure what to do with so it wasn't like the most satisfying angle right I don't know why we should as the audience or why as a documentarian you would put any like trust in any of those people. Like you can't mm -hmm. just solely rely on the opinion of one person who's fully involved to mm -hmm. like dictate the perception of the whole thing. Like mm -hmm. he's, he might be an okay guy, maybe, but sounds like maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um but it doesn't mean he's like has all the facts or like understands what's going on even. I mean, he's mm -hmm. got to be a heavily traumatized person. Yeah. Like, let's talk to some experts. Let's, you right. know, and maybe there not like people who are like- a bit of that, yeah. but not enough. And not like Chad Daybell adjacent. Right. Not Julie Rose. Experts. Right. Yeah. There was like a psychologist they brought in, but he was on there for moments yeah there were there was a journalist but he wasn't really asked to like extrapolate a whole lot I don't know it just felt thin mm -hmm. I will say though one last little beautiful Mormon connection <laughs> while I was oh, watching yeah. there's this scene where they're in Hawaii and they've found Chad and Lori hiding out in Hawaii 
and a reporter from East Idaho News is there. And he's like, do you know where your kids are? The world is praying for your kids. I have three kids. I know where mine are. You know, he's like peppering them with questions and they're ignoring him. I was watching it and I've seen it before, but I wasn't watching very closely. And I was watching it and I was like, I know him. <laughs> I know that guy. That reporter was my BYU roommate's brother. <laughs> Lisa, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I immediately text her and I'm like, I just saw your brother on a Netflix documentary. And she's like, oh, is it about the daybells? <laughs> And she said he's like kind of famous for this reporting he's done about them. That's and, cute. Uh, anyway, just Mormonism is a small little world, is what I'm yeah, trying Lisa, to say. Yeah, Lisa, and you are fully entrenched without even trying to be for a long while. Yeah. yeah. Once you're in, you know the players. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just a fun little tidbit. Yeah that is fun well thanks so much for listening uh go ahead and give us a big old follow on tiktok instagram twitter like and subscribe on youtube please Mm -hmm. if you would if you would be so kind it's a lot of fun i think to watch podcasts on youtube i think so so that's why i continue to post them there follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and go ahead and, and rate and review if you're feeling generous yeah. If you're not, then leave it for another day. <laughs> Feel free not to. And send us emails at pleaseblesspod at gmail.com or DMs on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Let us know what you're liking, what you'd like to see on the podcast. If you want a guest on an episode, all options are open. And yeah. thanks to those who have been reaching out with episode suggestions and general comments we love to hear and we do like base our plans on suggestions we get so 100 yes and on that note please bless charles vallow oh please bless charles uh, please vallow bless, uh jj and tylee um, yeah please bless the victims of these horrible crimes tammy daybell <sighs> please bless us that we may recover from this episode yeah and uh please bless you all that you can maybe move on from this and have a nice uh productive day yeah maybe please bless this podcast amen Amen.